Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current series, Because He Lives. This series digs deep into just how much Jesus' death on the cross impacts us in the best way. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. We're glad you're here in the house as well as online. And before I begin my message, I want to take a minute just to, to show some appreciation to a dedicated group of volunteers who plan and prepare and present for us a worshipful environment every week. Now, I'm, I'm talking about the team that was just up here at the front of the house, but also the team back there in the booth in the back of the house. And so can we just show them a little appreciation? I mean, here, here's the big... The big picture, while most of us are still asleep on a Sunday morning, these brothers and sisters in Christ are up probably at 6 in the morning, some of them even earlier, to be here for a 7 a.m. rehearsal to lead us in worship. And and yes, they're led by our staff member, our worship director, Pat Fitzgerald, but uh, they're doing this as volunteers. And and they're not the only ones. There are children's ministry folks here. There are uh, our guest uh, guest services volunteers. And there's volunteers throughout the week. And, And the reason I'm telling you this is, first, to show thanks to all of our teams, all of you who volunteer. But the second reason I'm sharing this with you is because each and every one of you is important to the body of Christ, and you're needed here. And so I want to invite you to to do more than just attend a service. I want to invite you to become a part of our team and take an active role in serving God and serving others here at Valley Brook. Why am I saying this? Because I believe in the body of Christ, we're better together. And together, we can reach more people for Christ. And so I would encourage you, uh, go to our website and go to the What's Next tab and click on it. And you'll find a place where it talks about volunteering, talks about serving. You can see some of the opportunities there to serve. If you have questions about other opportunities, send us an email because we would love to hear from you and help you step into the thrill of serving God and serving others. If you would, let me just pray for our message right now. Father, in this place, in this time, I know you have a word for us. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a ministry in Chicago called New Name, and their mission is to reach out to women who are being sexually exploited and trafficked And the volunteers at New Name go to the places where these women work to connect with them. And on one visit to a club, uh, they met a young woman that they call, for safety reasons, Miss Ms. M. And on that visit, uh, they told her about New Name and uh, they built a relationship. They found out that she had recently discovered she was pregnant. and, And they said, you know, when we visited her a few weeks later... Uh, she said to them, you know, I would just love to get a job outside of this bar. I I, I just got to get out of here. And so this team, on their own, went to work to to find another ministry that cares for women who are coming out of trafficking. And uh, so uh, they went back uh, weeks later, and they found Ms. M, and they told her, we found a way out for you. Um, and we'll help you, and we'll help you get there, and, and you can have your baby there, and you can start a new life. 
And Ms. M, Ms. M said a weight had just lifted off her shoulders because she said, you know, just last week as I walked out of the bar, I prayed and I said, God, help me get out of this situation. I know it's not good for me. I know it's not good for my baby. I just want a new life for both of us. Now, that's an amazing story of a woman who wanted to have a new start and was helped to get a new life. But what about you? Have you ever done something that, you, that didn't go the way you hoped or planned? Have you ever wished you could have a do-over? Uh, you know, when it comes to life, have you ever thought, if I could start over, I would do things very differently? Well, today we're going to look at a truth that comes out of Scripture, and it's this. But because Jesus lives, we can have new life. The Bible tells us this in the book of Romans. When we were baptized, we were buried with Christ and shared his death. So just as Christ was raised from the dead by the wonderful power of the Father, so also we can live a new life. Now, these are powerful words because they speak about how we believe in and follow the teachings of Jesus. And they unite us with Jesus in, in a very personal way. That, uh, you know, big picture, while the act of baptism doesn't accomplish this union, these passages picture us dying to our old life and being buried in the waters of baptism. But it's whom we're buried with that's important. And that whom we know is Jesus Christ. One scholar writes this, that our burial and baptism expresses the finality, the end of our old life. It also expresses the impossibility of a new life apart from the divine action. That God who the God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead has likewise imparted life to those who are his. The expression to live a new life is literally to walk in newness of life. The walk being the evidence of the new type of life granted to the child of God. This is the distinctive type of life realized only by one united to Christ. Now, because Jesus lives and we have chosen to believe in him and to follow him, we can have a new life. And that new life has a lot of meaning for us. That new life has implications for us to embrace and accept with regards to our past life. So first, having a new life in Christ means we're forgiven. Now, hopefully, uh, I suspect that's not new, uh, news to you, but I want you to listen again to what the Bible says about our forgiveness. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Now, Last week, uh, I went into some detail about the facts that Jesus paid for our forgiveness and that we need to be honest and confess our sins to access that forgiveness, as well as some other things. And I, I encourage you to go back to our website and check out that message. But I, I want to address an important aspect of forgiveness today. You and I need to accept Christ's forgiveness, and that means we also need to be able to forgive ourselves for the mistakes and the sins that we've committed. Now, I suspect we've all said something or done something that we wish we'd never said or done, or on the other hand, maybe we didn't say something or didn't do something that uh, we wish we had done or had said. 
And we, have, and we struggle to let that realization go. And we can't forgive ourselves. And we emotionally beat ourselves up over that. So I want you to understand what it means if you can't forgive yourself. If God forgives us, but we won't forgive ourselves, we are essentially saying that Jesus' death on the cross wasn't enough for us to forgive ourselves. Accepting Jesus' forgiveness for our sins means that we have to embrace that we've been forgiven by the graciousness of God. It means we need to live in the reality that we've been given a new life in Christ, and we must also forgive ourselves. Now, there is no sin too great or too heinous for God to forgive. Thus, when we ask for God's forgiveness, we must accept it and also forgive ourselves. The reality is Christ's followers live this new life because he lives and because he died to pay the price for our sins and because when we ask for forgiveness, he forgives us. That, really, that reality also means that we don't have any more guilt or shame. Guilt and shame are powerful emotions that we feel about the things that we wish we had said or done uh, or that we have done. They show us the weight and the magnitude of our words and our actions, but God's word has something to say about guilt and shame. There's a powerful scripture that tells us, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Here's the powerful meaning in this verse. Sometimes we hear someone say, Look, I don't condemn you, meaning who am I to judge you? But the Bible tells us that God has every reason to condemn us and to judge us because of our sins, but he doesn't because of what Jesus has done for us. He sent Jesus to die and pay the price for our sins. God condemned Jesus for our sins. God judged Jesus and made him the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. So if we're forgiven and no longer condemned, then there's no longer a reason for us to feel guilt and shame. As children of God, we are not under condemnation. We're forgiven and we can live a new life. Now, I want to be clear. While God no longer condemns us, our words and actions have consequences. So while we're no longer condemned by God, if our words or our actions have hurt others or caused us to sin against them, we must seek to make amends, to seek forgiveness and apologize and restore the damage that we've done. Having a new life in Christ does not absolve us from restoring relationships and making restitution for the damage that we've done. As Christ followers, We're called to be reconcilers, reconciling people to God. And so we must undo the damage that we've done. So because he lives, we can have a new life where we're forgiven and where we are free from guilt and shame and where we can have a fresh start. Believing in and following Jesus changes a person. The Bible explains it this way. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone a new life has begun. You know, when I I reflect on my own decision to become a a Christ follower, I'm amazed. At that time in my life, I was a 19-year-old, self-centered, insecure, arrogant, hedonist, who was looking for purpose in life. After months of listening to people tell me about Jesus, 
I finally decided to believe in him and follow him. And, and though I didn't realize it at that time when I believed in Jesus, I was also walking away from my old life. Self-centered, insecure, arrogant, and hedonistic. Nobody told me I needed to change. Jesus changed me. And the old way of life that I had been living really held no meaning for me anymore. Now, no one told me that to be a Christian, you have to stop doing X, Y, and Z and start doing A, B, and C. Jesus just gave me a new life. And much of the old ways of my life lost their meaning and, and they faded away. Now, don't interpret that to mean that I never sinned again. I did and I still do. But I have a new life. And it's begun in me. Carolyn Titus tells her own story of a new life. She actually got involved in that ministry I told you about earlier, a new name. And she tells her story of sobriety and the new life that she found in Christ. She said, after years of alcohol abuse and prescription pill abuse, I finally stopped running and gave my life to Jesus. And after finding sobriety in him, I did start a new life. She said, I got involved with New Name, and she writes about the call center where she worked to reach out. And she says, it's a tough ministry because, uh, as she writes, very few women are grateful for the call when we reach out to them. The majority of them hang up on us or they tell us to get lost. But she writes about how she listens and shows Christ's love to these women, and she prays that God will break through the chains that bind them and that and give them the courage to walk away from their familiar lifestyle. Because, she writes, I know all too well how challenging and impossible it can seem, but I will continue, she says, to speak the truth and to, to bring the light of Jesus to these women, regardless of their reaction or outcome, because I have a new life in Jesus, and I want everyone to have the same thing. You see, Carolyn has become a new person in Christ. She's been given a fresh start, all because Jesus lives. When we become a follower of Jesus because he lives, we can have a new life. But not only is it new, it's truly the best life possible. So you could say this, because he lives, we can have our best life. In the Gospel of John, the words of Jesus are recorded where he tells us what the devil has come to do, and then he tells us what he has come to do. So calling the devil the thief, he says, a thief is only there to steal, steal, to kill, and to destroy. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Now, Scholars and translators of the Bible wrestle with how to translate this passage and how to explain this life that we have in Jesus. One translator, as I read, says it's more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Other translators say it's life to the full or a rich and satisfying life or an abundant life. Now, different scholars explain what Jesus was saying this way, that, that we can experience the best life can offer through Jesus, or that with Jesus we can have life as it's scarcely imagined best. Or one scholar says, with Jesus we can have this then we can have then life which goes way beyond necessity. 
And as the Apostle John wanted all the readers to know that the gift of Jesus is life beyond our wildest dreams. Because Jesus lives, we can have our best life. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus is promising that we'll be happy, healthy, and wealthy. Jesus isn't promising us that this life on earth will be trouble-free. Not at all. In fact, Jesus tells us in the scriptures that here on this earth, we will have many trials and sorrows. But then he encourages us with this word. But take heart, because I have overcome the world, meaning in Christ we can overcome the trials of this world. Life is not easy for anyone, but for the follower of Jesus, we can be encouraged because we know that Jesus is victorious over the world, and he shares that victory with us. So with him, we can have our best life. And we can have that best life for several reasons. First, because he gives us strength. The Apostle Paul understood that on this earth, We would have what Jesus said. We would have trials and sorrows because he himself experienced those trials and sorrows firsthand. And despite those difficulties, he wrote this. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. In another letter, Paul wrote how that when he prayed about his trials and sorrows, the Lord responded to him and told him this. He said, the Lord said to him, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And so the apostle Paul concluded that when he felt weak, when he faced trials and sorrows, He said this, when I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Because he knew that in his weakness, Christ gave him strength to do things that he couldn't do on his own. Now, despite what we face and despite how strong or weak we feel, the Lord is with us. And we can do everything through Christ who does give us strength. But also because he lives We can have our best life in his strength. And that also means this, that that we have his help to resist the evil one. Now, remember what Jesus said. He said that he has overcome the world. That means he's defeated the prince of this world, who is the devil. But though all of that is true, that does not mean that the devil is not still at work in this world. He is. And, And Jesus tells us that the devil is a thief who wants to steal, who wants to kill, and wants to destroy. But remember in the Gospels, Jesus also tells us that he will always be with us even when we face temptation and struggles through the devil. He said he will never leave us alone. In fact, before he ascended into heaven, he promised us that he would send us the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us that in this life, We can resist the power of the devil. And that's important when we think about Jesus' promise to send us the Holy Spirit. So let me give you this promise from the book of James. It says, so give yourselves completely to God. Stand against the devil and the devil will run from you. We can do that. 
Because when we give ourselves completely to God, then Jesus and God the Father send the Holy Spirit to live with us and to be in us. And when we know from the Bible this, that the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. So because he lives, Jesus has kept his promise to be with us by sending us the Holy Spirit. And and when we give ourselves fully to God, he puts his spirit in us, and therefore we can resist anything the devil throws at us. And one final thing, because he lives, we can have our best life because God empowers us. Let me return to that verse I shared earlier where the Apostle Paul talks about how God has empowered him. And after praying about his struggles in life, Paul sensed God answering his prayers, and he wrote this. But he, meaning God, said to me, my grace is enough for you when you are weak. My power is made perfect in you. So I am very happy to brag about my weakness, Paul writes, then Christ's power can live in me. So because he lives... Jesus empowers us to live this life, our best life for him. In our weakness, he can use us to accomplish his will. He gives us power. You may not recognize the name of this British-born actor that I'm going to share with you. His name is H.B. Warner. You may not recognize his name, but I suspect for many of you, you will remember at least one of his roles. He was in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. He played the alcohol-addicted pharmacist in It's a Wonderful Life. But that wasn't his greatest role. His greatest role was in the famous 1927 silent film, King of Kings, where he played Jesus Christ. Now, it's interestingly interesting. The director of King of Kings was Cecil B. DeMille, and he wanted... He wanted Warner to be Christ-like in life. And so to keep him in living a Christ-like life during the filming of this movie, he, he kept him on a short lease, so to speak. During the filming, he was so concerned that any of the behavior that Warner would have may lead to the actor being deemed inconsistent with the image of Christ, and it would result in negative publicity for the film he enacted some restrictions. DeMille enforced strict measures to ensure that Warner kept up a good Christ-like image, at least what DeMille thought would be a Christ-like image. So uh, he had both Warner and his co-star, Dorothy Cumming, who played Mary, follow these things. They had to sign agreements that barred them for five years from appearing in any film role that would compromise their holy screen appearance in King of Kings. During the filming, Warner was driven to the set with blinds drawn on the car. He wore a black veil as he was delivered to the set. DeMille separated Warner from the other cast members, even forcing him to eat alone every day. Warner couldn't play cards. He couldn't go to the ball games. He couldn't ride in a convertible. He couldn't go swimming. And unfortunately, this regimen of rules and regulations did not make Warner more Christ-like. Instead, the pressure that he felt from these restrictions 
seemed to drive him back over the edge of his alcoholism, and he relapsed. You know, the reality is this. If Warner had believed in and followed Jesus, all of the director's rules and regulations would not have been as pressure-filled because he would have experienced the, the new and best life in Christ. He would have known about it personally through his relationship with Jesus, and he would have been empowered. Doesn't mean those regulations wouldn't have been difficult and hard, but he would have a personal connection to the King of Kings. For those of us who know that Jesus lives, we can be empowered to live our lives for him. So big picture, because Jesus lives, you and I can have a new life where the old life is gone and where we have a new life. In fact, the best life that God wants for us. But this can only be had by believing in and following Jesus. So I, I wanna encourage you, if you're a Christ follower, I wanna encourage you to, to keep following him. I wanna encourage you to do whatever it takes to grow in your faith and in your relationship with Jesus as his follower. And I want to encourage you to, to be open about that and share that with other people so you can be a witness for him. At the same time, if, you, if you've never made a decision to believe in Jesus and follow him, then you don't know the new and best life that he gives to those who believe in him. But you can. You can decide today to become a follower of Jesus. To do that, though, you need to admit that you're a sinner. You need to be willing to, to turn from your sinful behavior and then tell him that you believe in him and, and invite him into your life to start following him. So I, I want to go into a time of prayer, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come up uh, because we're going to sing a, a great song after this prayer time. But here's what I, I want to do. During this prayer time, I'm going to pray for you, if you're a believer in Jesus, that you will walk in his strength, that, that you will walk in the new life and the best life that he has for you, that you will let the Holy Spirit guide you and direct you and lead you. But if you've never told Jesus you believe in him and want to follow him, I'm going to invite you to pray some words to admit that you need him and that you want to follow him. So if you would, bow your heads. Let's pray. Lord, as we come into this prayer time, I pray first and foremost for those of us who are your followers. Lord, I pray that we would walk in this new life that you've given us, that we would accept your forgiveness, that we would forgive ourselves, that we would let you empower us through your spirit, that we would walk in that power and know your strength, and that we would seek to know you and grow with you each and every day. Fill us with your spirit. Help us walk in this best life that you have for us. But then, Lord, I also pray for those who have never decided to put their faith in Jesus. And if that's you, I invite you to pray these words silently where you are. Here's the first phrase. God, I know I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died for my sins and that he rose again from the dead. And I trust him today as my savior. And I want to follow him all the days of my life. And so guide me, I pray. And then we say amen to all of these prayers. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.